You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, happy Mother's Day. How are you today? Awesome. We're going to honor some mothers right now, and I just got a little sentimental there. My, I was just thinking about my mother who passed away in, I think it was 2007. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian because of my mother. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing here serving Jesus because of her. I'm getting a little trying to hold in my feelings here. I'm just curious, how many of you guys are followers of Christ or Christians because, because your mom played a role in that? Look at that. Look at how many of your moms were, were God in your life, helped you to see God and know God. We're going to honor some moms right now. And, and I, uh, you know, we do this every year where we kind of point out some moms. I've got some flowers up here. I've got four sets of flowers because we're going to honor uh, four moms in particular. And later on, we're going to pray for all the moms. But uh, here's who I want to honor first. Basically, after service has come down, and get yourself one of these flowers, all right? I'm not going to say this one's for that one. You just, you know, you need to send your kids or your grandkids or somebody down here to get it first First dibs. Don't you come down here. Have somebody who who is uh, with you or a friend come down, and then they can duke it out, okay? So uh, if you've got your eye on one of them, then you need to be like, as we're praying, <laughs> we're amen. Wait, they're gone. <laughs> you need to be thinking about that. So here's uh, here's the mothers we're going to. The first mother is the mother who has most recently become a mother or a mother again. For instance, the one, the mother here who just most recently had a baby. All right. So do we have any babies? Uh, mom, baby, mom, mama babies. All right. There's one. And how, how old? Four months. Do we have a mom? That is that has a baby younger than four months, nine months, five months. That's it. All right. Well, you get, yay, Adriana. She is a new mama. Four months. Pretty cool. Is she here? He. Awesome. In service. Pretty cool. This is your first Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, very cool. All right, now we're going to, the second mother that I want to point out today is the mother that has the highest number of children and grandchildren total, whether they're here in this room, in this state, in the United States, it doesn't matter where they are. So do a quick tally, children and grandchildren combined. This is like super mom in the room. So, uh, uh, so let's start with uh, 10. Who has over 10? Children and grandchildren. Raise your hand if you have over 10 children or grandchildren. All right? Right here. And All right. Now we have uh, uh, 12. Over 12 children or grandchildren. All right? Are you, are, you, are you in the running still? Okay. Is that, so you have up to how many? What's your total number? 11. Okay. And uh, anybody else? All right. How many do you have, Adela? Oh, my goodness. All right, Sally, how many do you have? You need a calculator? Is it over 17? How how many? You guys do a number thing here. How many? 24. Anybody beat 24? We'll get to work. (laughs) You guys got a lot of work to do. All right. 
this next family uh, is going to be a fun one because this is like, you know, you can't wait, you know, have kids, get them out of the house, right? And you have grandkids, that's awesome. You have them come over for a little while, and then, you know what, you've had your fill, you get them, send them home, right? So uh, this is, this next one is the mom that has the most kids currently in their house right now. Because this is the mom that has no rest, no sleep, and somehow finds a way to make the house work. So uh, who, (laughs) well, I know Alicia has a lot of kids. Alicia, how many do you have in the house? Six. Anybody have more than six in the house right now? Husbands do not count. That's a good question because husbands are one more kid. That is for sure that you're picking up after and having to fix things for. And All right, put boo-boo Band-Aids on. All right, Alicia. Woo, six kids. Let's give it up for Alicia. Happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day, Sally. Happy Mother's Day, Adriana. And I have one more mother that I want to draw attention to, and that is my mother-in-law. And uh, I'm so thankful for my mother-in-law. She's my wife's mother. And as I said earlier, my mother passed away in 2007. And ever since I have uh, been dating Nicole, when we were just teenagers, we were dating as teenagers, I would go over to the their house and she was the hostess with the mostess. I'm telling you, if she knew people were coming over, there was a spread. And it was, I fell at home from day one, even though it took years for me to be able to take my shoes off at her house. I'm one of those guys that never takes his shoes off. But when it... When it happened, you knew it was a done deal. And it did happen. And I do take my shoes off at their house. Uh, so that means we're family. <laughs> but uh, she, is, uh, she is a mom to me. And uh, I'm so grateful for the wonderful daughter uh, that she uh, raised and the mother of my children. And I do have some flowers for her. But uh, I thought she was going to be in Kid Ventures. So I actually have them at home for you too, honey. So I have flowers for you as well. So uh, happy Mother's Day. Why don't you do something real fast? Let's all stand up and let's find a mother. If you're not here with a mother, find a mother and give that mom a big hug and love her and tell her, "Woo, it's got to be tough to be you. All right. And if you're not with a mother, find one. Okay. Well, happy Mother's Day. You can go ahead and have a seat. All right, I can tell you this about mothers. Uh, I'm not one. That's one thing I can tell you. Um, I I can tell you that I think uh, the difference between a father and a mother, a father, basically, his attitude for his children is, I love you, suck it up, right? That's the father's view of life. I love you. Suck it up. If you're a daughter, then you can stay with me until someone better than me can take you from me. And if you're a son, then it's like, be a man, you're 18, get out of the house. So it's like, there's this kind of like total different attitude. While, while dads are like, you know, I love you. Suck it up. Be a man. Or I even tell my daughters, be a man as a joke. Uh, so even now to this day, we joke about that. Uh, and they're 14 and 16 and they're, they're, Great women, but they're learning to suck it up like a man. Uh, but moms, however, on the other hand, uh, they don't generally 
take that view of life or with their kids. They, they carry everything, everything, all the time on their shoulders, in their mind, on their heart. And, and while a husband or a father can see a child make mistakes and go, I must have messed up somewhere, but suck it up. You know, there's this sense that we, we still kind of feel bad if we've kind of not done right, but we usually let it go pretty quickly. Mothers, however, they carry every mistake, every trial, every insecurity around, sometimes forever, for the duration of their whole life, of their children. And there's always this pressure to, to be mom that is like the, 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 the hero mom that you imagine that you had or you wish you had or you wanted to be. So it is a challenge to be a mom. I can tell you that I cannot fathom the weight of a mom. Uh, the the intensity of a of a mom. I mean, if my kids get hurt, it's come here, I love you, a kiss. Here's a band aid. Now get out there, right? Walk it off, right? Get, but a mom, they 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 know how to nurture. It's instinctually a part of who they are. They care. They nurture. They they love. They like the scripture says. They they bring like a like a. Like, like one who brings, like a hen that brings in all its chicks under its wings to protect. And, you know, and today I want to talk about a mother in the Bible who is uh, an unlikely mother um, because she's a mother who had a lot of mistakes. Uh, but she's also considered one of the great mothers, one of the few mothers in the Old Testament who's probably one of the largest mistake-oriented women who finds herself in several uh, moments of, of mention in the New Testament. And uh, this is a woman who uh, was a prostitute. And uh, this is a woman who, who didn't have it all together, but became a super mom. We are in a series called Redemption. We're talking about how God uh, takes those who seem to be too far and turns them around and puts them on a place of, of redemption. It, redemption is a money term. It means to purchase. It means to take something that's valued less and make it valuable. It conveys a deep debt problem, a price that must be paid, and the purchase that was made, which is Christ Jesus. For Jesus is our Redeemer. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, He will receive you. He will take your life and redeem it. Make it valuable. Give it worth again. Well, today we're going to talk about a mother, an unlikely hero mom mentioned in Hebrews 11. And uh, Hebrews 11 is a list uh, that is admired by Christians and Jewish people. Uh, it is a list of, of the heroes of faith. It's a list of people who never gave up when the world was against them. This is a written to Jewish Christians about Christians who, or uh, people of faith in God who did not give up. And it was a challenge to Christians to not give up on Jesus when it was tough. So Hebrews 11, we're going to look at one of those heroes mentioned. And it says this, now faith, that's the word trust, a deep trust, a deep, a deep reliance on Christ. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. He says, you know what faith is? Something that is, it, it's being able to trust something that you know, but you can't see. He says, these People that we're about to learn about, he says in Hebrews 11, we're going to learn about one of them. He says, these are people that couldn't see 
what was ahead of them. In fact, all they saw was trial and, and, and trouble. But these are people that trusted God in spite of what they saw because of what they knew about God. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not a divine force. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not even the absence of doubt. In fact, faith is living in light of God's word despite our current reality, despite our current fear, and despite our current doubt. Faith is trusting in what you cannot see because of who you know God is. It's faith in God. So what does your current reality look like? Do you have faith to see God work in your family? See God work in your home, in your finances, in your marriage. Hebrews 13, uh, 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. That's a great creation verse right there. By faith we understand it was by God. Uh, so that what is seen is made out of what was visible. He says, was not made out of what was visible. That means everything that God made was not made out of something else. It was made out of something fresh, something new. And even though we can't see that because we weren't there, we can see the result and we know God so we can have faith in that. He says, then he gives a list of 12 people uh, in who lived people of faith, who were people of faith, who never gave up. And the list included uh, Abel, uh, Adam and Eve's son. It included Enoch, uh, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Samuel, and smack dab in the middle was a harlot named Rahab. So that's who we're going to took, uh, take some time to look at today. A woman who is a dynamic mother in the eyes of the Hebrews. How do you know she was a mother? Well, she wasn't at this point, but God redeemed her and she became a hero mother and a hero of the faith. Let's check out the story, uh, what it says about her in Hebrews 11. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And by faith the prostitute, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. A woman who put her life on the line to obey God. And as a result, this woman who was a prostitute became one of the greatest mothers of the scriptures. You say, really one of the greatest mothers? Yeah, she's one of the few mothers mentioned in multiple, by, in multiple letters and books of the New Testament. To get the story, we need to go to the story. So Joshua chapter 2 is where we're going to camp out for the next few minutes this morning. In Joshua, uh, Joshua records the story after Moses uh, led them out of the promised land. Moses' time of leading had come to an end. Uh, we learned about Moses last week. And now he passes the baton off to Joshua, who is with him everywhere he went. And Joshua was, was, at the, was at the entrance to the promised land that God had given them. And he saw an enemy that was corrupt and vile and evil and wicked. And God says, you just go on in there and I'm going to be with you. And uh, we're going to take this together. So don't worry. Just go in there and take Jericho. I've got you. I'm with you. Now, Joshua, being not only a prophet... And not only a man who talked to God and saw God, but he was also a great soldier and warrior. He did what every great strategist would do. He sent two guys in on a, uh, on a, on a mission, on a reconnaissance mission to find out two spies to spy out the land before they took possession of Jericho. Jericho was like the first door, the first major mighty city to, to take before they could enter into that land. So it was extremely pivotal that they got Jericho first. So here's the story. 
Two spies on a reconnaissance mission. Mission possible. Joshua chapter 2. We're going to pick it up right there in verse 1. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Now, you want to say that word really fast. Because that's one of those words, if you try to sound it out slow, you just feel really bad. So, uh. Go ahead. He says, go look over the land. That's hard not to avoid saying something about that word. It's just one of those uncomfortable city names that you just have to say, well, it's in the Bible. So Joshua chapter two, he says, so go look over the land. He said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the city of Jericho. They walked around and guess where they found themselves. It says, and they entered the house of a prostitute. Now, some people would might wonder what in the world were these two good Jewish boys doing in a house uh, for harlots? What were these two guys doing in a place for prostitutes? Now, some say that it basically just meant boarding house, that it just meant innkeeper. But it, according to what the Bible says, it is very clearly a whorehouse. And they found themselves there and they entered the house of of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. Now, you might be wondering why in the world was, were they staying in, of all places, a, a house where people went to endure the flesh, indulge the flesh? Well, this is the kind of house that would not arouse suspicion for a stranger to visit. See, these were two guys that were obviously new to the town. When you walk into a town like that, people are like, yeah, two new guys that are looking out for them. They know know that that Israel is on the mountaintop and they're about ready to pounce on them. So they're kind of eyeing everybody. Oh, they went to the the prostitute's house. So it basically drew away suspicion. And and it wasn't an odd place for strangers who were not uh, following God to end up. Possibly this was the first time that men had ever come to her door without an indecent proposal, without uh, indecent intent. So here's the issue. Rahab, we introduced, she's introduced right here. She had three strikes against her already. The three strikes against Rahab is, number one, she was a Canaanite Amorite. She, we found out that she was an Amorite later on, but she lived in a place where the Canaanites lived. So here's this Amorite Canaanite woman who, by the way, to a Jewish person was considered absolutely the most wicked people on the earth. So she was just by nationality considered extremely wicked and evil. And not only that, she was also a woman. Now, in that culture, women were second class citizens, much like Islamic countries today, women were not treated with respect, were not treated as as equals, and were not treated with a sense of honor and and, uh, love. They were treated as objects to be passed around, again, much like Islamic cultures in the Middle East today. So she had that against her. And then to top all of that off, she was a prostitute. She was a harlot. She sold herself for money. So it was the lowest of the lowest uh, possible occupations, she was a sinner. Now, her name was Rahab. I mean, some of you guys may not realize this, but that's an Egyptian name because the first half of her name, Ra, is the name of the Egyptian god, Ra. So she's named after an Egyptian deity, the sun god, Ra. And Hab 
is actually a word that means broad. Not like a woman broad, but as in like large, as in wide. So we don't know if she was a large woman. We don't know if she was a small woman. That's the name given to her at birth. But basically, it maybe meant uh, broad. Some people think it, it was a nickname because she got around. Okay, because she she was able to she was with a lot of men. So there's this she had a past that was not godly and she was living a present that was not godly. What made her a Hebrew, uh, a hero? Well, let's take a look. This is how Rahab became a super mom. And by the way, this is for all of you. This isn't just for moms today. So don't tune out mom's day message. Click, you know, and you're off. I want you to tune in because this is about redemption. This is about how God takes the most unlikely people, people who are filled with mistakes and turns them into people that are dynamic in the eyes of God and in the kingdom of God. So so follow with me. These are the qualities found not only in great mothers, but these are the qualities found in people who understand redemption. So the king of Jericho heard that the spies were in town So he immediately sends out guards and police to go look for these two spies. And this is what happened in verse 3. It says, so the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Now I want you to realize this. The Bible goes on to say she doesn't just hide them, but she lies about them. She begins to tell them that they left, that they're already gone, that uh, they were here, but they're not here anymore. And she begins to lie. Now, I want you to, some of you might think, well, see, there's a time to lie when you're trying to protect somebody, see? But that's not what the Bible is saying here. It's not saying that what she did was right. It says that she helped them to escape is what was right. The lie was not what was right. In fact, this is what I want you to write down. This is the first quality of a great mother is that, She made mistakes, but she did not define herself by her mistakes. What we're going to find out. She made big mistakes. She had uh, a regrettable life. She was a harlot. She made big mistakes. She slept and got around with a lot of men, and she made small mistakes. She had a problem right here with lying. Lying was her whole life. I mean, how many wives did she have to lie to about Husbands and how many husbands did she have to lie for to lie with and and so she had the big lies she had the small lies yet she's the one that God chose she's the one that God had handpicked to rescue and inspire an entire nation and as we're going to find out though she was a woman who had a lot of mistakes in her life she did not allow those mistakes to define who she was and to define her future. You know, many mothers here in this room, you struggle with feelings of failure. You struggle with feelings of guilt. You, you, maybe you've, you're a grown mother and, and your kids are out and you just can't help but feel bad or guilty about some things you could have done differently. Or maybe just recently, your kids are still in the house and you said something wrong. You're a little harsh or short and, and your normally caring demeanor was quick and, and you feel bad about it. And I want you to know something. God loves you. He cares for you and realize that your mistakes do not define you as a mother or as a person. The story goes on in Joshua 2, verse 8. It says, before the spies uh, laid down for the night, um, she went up on the roof where they were hiding because she hid them on the roof. 
And uh, she went up there to talk to them, you know, just to kind of find out about who they were and just kind of to pick their brains a little bit. And verse 9, it says, And she said to them, I know that the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, that's the name of God. She knew the name of God. Uh, The name there is Yahweh, also transliterated as Jehovah. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. She says, I know the Lord. I believe he is with you. She said, I don't know him personally, but I know he is with you. And that a great fear has fallen on all of us, on this whole city, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She says, this whole city is melting like a candle in fear because we know that God is with you. She then shares her limited knowledge of God about what God has done for them. She talks about how they came out of Egypt and how the, the Red Sea was parted and how God gave them the word uh, of his words and, and how God had protected them against other enemies and how God had given them strength and had, in battle. I mean, she was telling them their own testimony and she was telling them their own story because here's the deal. She was searching for answers. I mean, think about it. Here's a, here's a woman who's lived her whole life in disrespect, three strikes out, and she goes up on the roof knowing that she possibly doesn't have a future, but possibly this God who gives new futures can give her a new future. So she's searching. She's heard of a God who does miracles. She's hoping that maybe he can do a miracle in her life. Joshua 2.11, he says, when we heard of it, she said, our hearts melted and everyone's courage in this city failed because of you. For the Lord, listen to this, she says, for the Lord, your God is in heaven and above and on the earth below. She says, notice your God. Though she didn't know him personally, she knew of him and was humble and open and wanted to know more about him. I want you to write this down. Is it, is it you know, though you make mistakes, um, a quality that she had is that she had an open heart to the truth toward the things of God. Rahab was learning to know God by the reports of others. Some of you are maybe young in your faith. Maybe you are a mother here and you don't have a faith in Christ Jesus. Like I asked you earlier, you know, who here came to know Christ because of your mom? I mean, that was uh, many of you, probably even the majority of you, uh, came to a relationship with Christ through the process or through the prayers or, or through the invitation, through the steps of your mama, you know, and my mom made sure that, that I was in church. I mean, uh, my mom was divorced and she was a single mom for most of my childhood. We had a stepdad every now and then. And, and I had one that was terribly abusive and violent. My mom was always there. She was always standing up for me. And, and always, once she became a follower of Christ, see, she grew up in a, in a very troubled life. She grew up with a very violent childhood, but she became a follower of Christ and as soon as that happened, regardless of her past mistakes, she was open to God's word, open to the truth. And she did everything she could to get us in church so that she could introduce us to the hope that she, uh, to the hope that she discovered. Now, Rahab was learning to know God. And she was open to the things of God. And great mothers, you know, you need to realize you don't know everything. You know, humble people, not just mothers. You need to realize if you want to be great in the eyes of God, you need to realize you don't know everything. You got to be open to counsel. You got to be open to, to answers. You got to be open to grow. 
You got you to gotta be open to learn. You, you, you need to be open for advice. A good mother seeks to know God and his word and reminds others of God's greatness. See, that's something else she did is even though her faith in God was still young and early and very immature, she inspired greatness by declaring God's miracles in spite of her young faith. Some of you guys, you can talk about Jesus. You can talk about how great God is, regardless of whether you're a Christian one year, two years or 20 years. Number two, I want you to write this down. She had an open heart. But number three is this. Uh, she didn't follow what the culture was telling her to do. See, she had a culture that was uh, the Amorite culture, which was very evil and wicked. And the Canaanite culture was very evil and wicked. And they, they worshipped weird and, and very perverted gods. And they often sacrificed their own children to deities. And they had these strange, perverted, orgy worship ceremonies. And, and uh, she was right there in the middle of it. And she had chosen a profession out of default, possibly. She was a grown woman. She didn't have a husband at this time. And uh, there's not a whole lot of work for a single mom in a culture like that where you have no no chance whatsoever of rising above poverty in a culture like that. So she takes the oldest profession ever and she becomes a harlot, but she is still inspired and challenged to want to not do that, to know God, to see if there's a miracle God that can take her in a new direction. And what she did is she chose, she began to allow God to change in her and to change what she thought about God despite, hey, someone needs to answer their phone. It's a message from Jesus. The message is, silence your phone. Amen. <laughs> I want you to notice, she said, every time she talked about God, you know, she used, she used the word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That means every time she said the name of God, she referred to him as Yahweh, which is the covenant name that the Hebrew people used and not the Canaanite name for God or deity. She is the first convert in a new land. What we're about to see is that she began to confess faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She was the very first person to turn from her Canaanite deities to the Lord God of the Hebrews in the history of Israel. Her culture followed false gods, but she declared the true God. Guys, listen, this culture may tell you that this is what a mother looks like. But what does God say a mother should be like? A culture might tell you that this is how you should raise your kids. But what does the Bible say? What does God say about what it means to raise your kids? Culture might tell you to follow your heart or to follow your feelings, or to follow your own opinion. But the Word of God says, don't follow your heart because it can lead you astray. Follow the will of God instead. You see, she had that attitude. Instead of following the culture, she followed God. And like Rahab, mothers who inspire us go against the flow. Mothers that inspire us remember that, you know, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. How many of you ever had your mother give you the, you know, if Johnny walked off a cliff, would you walk off a cliff? If Ricky ate dog poo, would you eat dog poo too? How many of you ever had a mom tell you that? One of those type of things. Yes, because moms are all about don't do what everybody else is is doing. You know, there's this sense of of protection and love and and clarity and passion. And I love that about, about moms. That's what moms do. And my mom, I was there 
many times when my mom would challenge my brother, my sister, and myself to go against the flow because that's what good mothers do. That's what Rahab did. So Rahab then makes an agreement with these guys if she will help them escape. This is what it says in Joshua 2.12. It says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. She says, God is with you. You're coming, and I know you're going to take out this city, but spare us. She says, uh, give me a sure sign that you're not going to kill us. And he says that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sister and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death, our lives for your lives. She says, I've saved you. Now, won't you save us? The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Now, here's another attribute of a great mom and a person who follows God is number four is that she sacrificed her own safety for the ones that she loved. And that's what good, you know, how many mothers, I, I mean, I see it all the time, bold, dynamic, strong. Man, mothers are some of the most courageous women, the, the most courageous people on the earth. I mean, I don't think men as tough as we are and as strong as, well, I am, and as strong as I am, uh, no, I'm just kidding, as tough as we are, as strong as we think we are, and as, how, and as self-sufficient as we think we are, I don't think we could carry the burden of what a mom cares, uh, carries. I don't think we could carry uh, a child for nine months without moaning and groaning and, and crying and and wanting everybody to serve us. But, you know, most moms, not only do they carry their child for nine months, but they also keep up with work and, and the challenges of caring for a home and cooking meals. And sometimes they have multiple kids and they're pregnant and they, it doesn't, they don't miss a beat. Sometimes they have to be bedridden, but it's not, it's by force, you know, because they don't want to be there because they're some of the most courageous. They will do anything for their children. They, they will sometimes to a fault uh, do things for their children, won't they? Because they love their children so much, they'll sometimes allow them to make the same mistake over and over and over and over again because a mother's love is, is, is almost without boundary. And she sacrificed, Rahab sacrificed her own safety. Many, many mothers. I mean, here again, going back to the dads are like, all right, son, you know, school of hard knocks. Up, oh, emergency alert. Everybody check your phones. All right. Flash flood. I think we're okay. I'm glad you guys showed up to church on this crazy weather day. Okay, you, you, everybody's alarm is going off right now. So go ahead. Hit okay, and we'll all be all right. Let's go back to that dad thing. You know, dads, you know, when a son gets in trouble, you know what we do? Learn from your mistake. Get out. You know, sorry, son. School of hard knocks, right? You're in jail. Let's just let them sit there for as long as possible, right? I mean, that's how moms are like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. son, come on home, come on in here. You need some money? Here's some money. You, I will give you my life. You, I will sell everything I have to look out for my child. And you know, and and it's not that one's better than the other. It's just the the temperament, the personality of a mom's moms will easily and quickly, oftentimes, give up their own safety for their loved ones. Yes, it's raining. <laughs> we got it, weather service. All right. Reminds me of mothers who cry and pray over their children. 
There's a reason why many of us have come to know Christ through our moms because they prayed for us. They cried for us. They dragged us, husbands too, to church. They would do anything for their children because that's what a godly mother does. Joshua 2.15, so she made this deal and she let them down. Uh, She threw a rope out the window for the house that she lived on was outside of the wall was a, a part of the city wall, just like a scene out of a movie. You know, the, the rope goes down. And she heard and she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days until they return and, and then go on your way. Guys, the plan was hers. The escape was hers. The plan was hers. The, the strategy of hiding in the mountains for three days, not two days, but three days was hers. Now, when the men had said to her this oath, you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have done this very thing. Unless you have tied this scarlet cord in the house window through the window you let us down and bring your father and mother and your brothers and your family into the house. He says, you know what? What we're going to do right now, he says, uh, we're going to spare you, but only if you do this one thing. When we come back, Hang this rope out of your window, and uh, when we see that rope, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna destroy that house. We're not gonna we're not gonna uh, destroy you and your family. In fact, he says anybody that you bring into your house, anybody that you save, will be saved. He says any every family, every mother, uh, uh, well your mother, your father, your siblings, their husbands, their wives, uh, their children. Pack out the house because when we see this rope hanging out the window, you'll be spared. I want you to check this out. See, today we're talking about redemption, but there's a story in the Bible. It's known as the scarlet thread of redemption or the scarlet rope of redemption. And this is one of the great stories of the thread of of redemption. Uh, We can see, he says, when we see that red rope, you will live. Now, let's follow along in verse 19. It says, If any of them go outside of the house into the street, their blood will be on your heads, and we will not be responsible. As for those who are in this house with you, he says, their blood, uh, he says, um, will be, uh, uh, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. Uh, verse 21, agreed. She said, uh, let it be this. She said, she said to them, let it be as you say. And out the window they went, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So she let them down by a rope through the window. Now, her window faced the city walls. And I wonder how many husbands did she help climb out that window? I wonder how many young men hiding from their parents did she help climb down that window? But this time... Her heart was new. Her heart was changed. And she had her eyes set on on the Lord God. And and she now hung that window out with a scarlet thread that told the world that she was different, that she was going to be different, that that what was once part of her past is now going to be a tool for her future. Guys, I want you to follow along in verse 22. As agreed, she drapes the red rope out the window. The army does come, and the army does wipe out the entire city of Jericho. And uh, But when they see the red rope, this is what happens in verse 22. It says, when they left 
They went into the hills and stayed there three days. That was her plan. They followed it until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Uh, then the two men started back and they went down out of the hills. Uh, they forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and they told him everything that had happened. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given us the whole land in our hands because all the people are melting in fear because of us. Guys, they use the exact same words that she gave them. She said, man, this whole town is melting with fear. And they immediately go back to Joshua. And her words were the catalyst for change for that whole nation. I want you to write this down. The fifth thing is that she had words that inspired greatness. She had words that that sparked a change that brought forth the nation of Israel. Her very words were the inspiration that brought them to their to their feet. Her words inspired God's mission. Words of a mother spoken at the right time can inspire a life forever. Your timely advice, your timely challenges, your encouragement, mom, can inspire us like no other. They, they challenge us like no other. Rahab mentioned in James, James gives the names of two people, only two people who lived out faith that honored God in the Old Testament. He mentions Abraham, the father of their faith, and Rahab. This is what he says about Rahab. Verse 25 of James 2 says, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? And when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction, Hebrews, they praise her for her faith, and James praises her for her actions. Here's the last thing I want you to write down about a quality of a godly mother, is that godly mothers, even though they make mistakes, she has actions that reflect her faith. See, she began to live out immediately her faith in God. She did what she believed. Her actions were a response to her faith. She gathered her family together. She put them all in the house. She spread the word of the living God to everyone that she loved. She brought them into her house. She made sure that they were safe. She made sure that they were secure. She used her actions, her words to inspire her family and the entire generations ahead of her. I've heard this story. Four preachers were discussing their favorite translation of the Bible. The first uh, old school, he says, man, King James Version, baby. He says, that's the best. It's always the best for it's poetic in its phrasing and very literal. Uh, The next guy, uh, he says, no, I like the NASB, the New American Standard Version, because it's closer to the original text and it's the most word-for-word translation. And then still another says, well, uh, I think it's the contemporary versions because they're so, uh, you know, up-to-date and they're so relatable. And then still a fourth man who was silent, he says, well, what about you? What translation do you like? And the man thought for a second and he said to the other three, he says, well, I like my mom's translation best. And they were surprised and said, what? He says, I didn't know your mom translated the Bible. And he says, yes, she translated it into life. And it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. See, the actions of faith and love, the consistency of a godly mom changes lives forever. So Jericho is attacked. Rahab displays the cord and the city falls. In Joshua 6, 25, it says this, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua 
and sent his spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites today. This was written during the time of her life, Joshua was, so they were writing to the contemporaries that she's still alive. Now, guys, this is an interesting part of the story because we learned a lot from a woman who found redemption. But I want to talk to you for just the last, like, five minutes uh, very quickly about how God uses crooked sticks to make straight lines. I'm going to ask somebody here. uh, I'm going to give this to one of you guys. I'm going to have you take this into the rope, okay? And I want you, here, I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to hand it back to somebody behind you. You you hold that in. We're going to see how far this rope can go, okay? Just kind of take it back as far as you can. Just You keep one in and take it back. There you go. Here's a young man coming right here. What you guys may not realize is that she's mentioned in Hebrews. She's mentioned in James. She's mentioned in a couple of the other letters. She's mentioned in the Old Testament. But she's also mentioned in the Gospels in relation to Jesus. And this is what's cool about this verse right here. Matthew starts off, if you ever read the New Testament, Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. And he starts off with a chapter that most people skip. And it's called the lineage of Jesus, also known as the bloodline of Jesus. And basically, keep a hold of it and see how far we can get it. Uh, And you just, we'll stop where it stops, okay? It's called the bloodline of Jesus. And basically, Matthew gives the bloodline that this is everybody in Jesus' life to prove that he is from the family of David, okay? Because David was the family line of kings, and they were proving that Jesus was a rightful king to the throne of David. So Matthew begins with this lineage, this family of people on Joseph's side, and they have this interesting part right in the middle. It mentions kings and patriarchs and prophets. They fill the list, but stuck in the middle is this prostitute, from Jericho, known as the scarlet thread of redemption. This is what it says in Matthew 1, verses 5, and part of 6, it says, Salmon, not the fish, the person, Salmon, the father of Boaz. Now, by the way, the two spies, one of the guys, one of the spies' name was Salmon, okay? Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and then Obed, who's the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Now, I want you to kind of take a look at this. Rahab married one of the two spies. So they come in, Jericho's torn out, they move into the promised land, and it's like a, it's like a fairy tale. She falls in love with one of the spies, and uh, he takes her under his wing, and they are married. It's a great love story. They have children. But the story doesn't end there because their son is Boaz. And if you've ever heard the story of Ruth, that's the guy that Ruth marries. So God erased her former life of shame and she marries Salmon. And they have a son named Boaz who marries Ruth. Many of you women know who Ruth is. He's the kinsman redeemer. Boaz is a picture of Christ in the book of Ruth. Beautiful story. Rahab's his mama. And they have a son named Obed. Now, Obed is a nice guy. You might not know anything about him, but he has a son named Jesse. And you may not know anything about Jesse, but Jesse was the daddy of David, the king, the greatest king of all the earth who ever lived. David 
was Rahab's great, great, great grandson. And David has a son named Solomon, and then 28 generations later, Jesus comes from the family of Joseph, a direct descent of Rahab. Now, for a woman to be included was unheard of in that day. Yet, it's interesting, Matthew mentions four women in the lineage. He mentions Ruth, a former idolater, Tamar, uh, a woman who tricks her former father-in-law into fathering her children. And he mentions Bathsheba, who committed adultery, who becomes uh, a great woman later in her life. And then Rahab, a Amorite harlot from Jericho. Now, I want you guys to hold up that, that rope. I want you to hold up that, that scarlet red rope. Each one of these people represent people in the scarlet line of Jesus Christ and how it started with a simple obedience. A woman who had mistakes did not define her life by her mistakes and write this down, how God uses crooked sticks to make straight lines. Here's a woman who did not have it together, who made mistakes, who became a supermom, who became a hero of the faith, who became family with Jesus. And God has a practice of picking the improbable to become heroes. A failed woman embracing the living God becomes a hero. Guys, if God can do that with Rahab, he can do that with anyone. He can do that with you. The scarlet rope was a glimpse of the blood of Jesus. It represents salvation to all who will trust in Christ regardless of their past. Jesus' blood line is filled with people of redemption. I want to end with three things about that rope. And uh, three things will take two minutes to tell you is number one, that rope that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, that red blood of Jesus that flows down anyone that believe. I want you to know this. Number one, that rope is strong enough to hold you. That rope that she let out was strong enough to hold those spies as they escaped. And guys, Jesus is strong enough to hold you. His blood is strong enough to forgive you. His love for you is strong enough to take whatever problem, whatever trial you have, if you'll just grab the rope of Christ, the red rope of Christ. Here's the second thing about the rope is that it's long enough to reach you. When she let that out of that window, they didn't have to jump half the way. That rope went all the way to the ground. It was long enough for them to reach safety. Guys, I want you to realize this rope, the love of Christ is long enough to reach you. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. You haven't said too much. You haven't made too many mistakes where the love of Christ cannot reach you. That rope, that scarlet rope of Christ is long enough to reach you. And the third thing is this. You must grab a hold of it by faith. As those men jumped out that window, they had to hold on to that rope and believe by faith that it was going to hold them all the way down. And by faith, she had to throw that rope out of the window so that they could see it and her family would be spared because it's only by faith that we are saved. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved other than the name Jesus Christ. Guys, listen, if you're here today, the rope is long enough. The rope is strong enough. Will you grab it by faith? Rahab, what a great story. What a great mom. What a great example. I want to pray for moms right now as we, as we close.
And uh, here's what I, we're going to pray for you in groups. You can put your arm down if you want. Uh, I'll get that rope here in a minute. And I want I want to pray for the three moms, uh, three different groups of moms. The first group of moms I want to pray for is those that have a newborn to nine years old. So if you have a newborn to nine years old, could you just stand up right where you are? Because I believe each mom has a different stage of life that's unique to you. And so what I'm going to ask is the other moms and the other people in this room to reach out their hands. If you have a child uh, that is newborn to nine, uh, let's pray for the moms right now that have, they're in that stage of their life, uh, in that place in their life. God, thank you so much uh, that God, you are a God of redemption. You're a God of life and hope and healing. And God, I pray for these moms, these moms of babies and these moms of younger children. God, I know the challenge uh, of, of these children is something that is, it demands a lot of time, a lot of attention, and a lot of grace, a lot of patience. Uh, God, a lot of soft words and, and a lot of kind smiles and a lot of moments where they're in your arms. God, this is a season of life where our kids, uh, they want to be in our arms. They, they cherish that, that hug, that love, that kiss. And God, I pray that you would just help these moms to, to be wise with that time, to, to comfort their children and, and to, to, to never neglect that season of their life where their kids want to be with them. And God, give them the grace and the patience and the strength to endure all of the the needs that that age needs, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask those of you that have a a child 10 to 18, I want you to stand up. If you have a child 10 to 18, all right, 18, that's like older teenager and 10, a preteen launch. So uh, this is a whole other challenge. This is when your kids say, I don't want, stop hugging me, stop touching me. You know, they... It's, it's the time, it's probably the, one of the most hurtful seasons because all of a sudden those kids that you never stop loving, they're not as interested in your love and because they're growing and learning how to be independent. And what a challenge that is. What a struggle that is to be able to let them go and to trust God. So let's pray for these moms. God, thank you so much that these are moms that, God, they never stop loving their kids. Uh, but Lord, it's a time, a season where their kids are, are extending some opportunities to be independent. And Lord, they're, they're trying, they're possibly pushing away their moms. But God, I pray that you give these moms patience. God, give them wisdom on how to deal with these uh, preteens and teenagers and, and pre-adult kids. And Lord, I pray that you'd give them strength and courage. And God, I pray that you'd help them to not give up and not give in. And God, to have soft words, not combative words, as this is a season where sometimes there's a lot of arguing. So God, give them grace, I pray for their teenager and young adult. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to ask the parents of 18 and up to stand up. These are the ones they've launched, and uh, it's hard, but there's a lot of faith, a lot of faith that's necessary to allow them to spread their wings and a lot of trust that is needed for you uh, in Christ. So, uh, you know, and some of you have adult kids. They've been out for a long time, and your heart is broken over your children's choices. Your heart is broken over where they are in their walk with God and who they are. Uh, And there's some of you, they're living for God, and some of you, they're not living for God. So this is a a time where you just got to trust God, don't you? So let's just pray that God will help you to be the parents uh, that you need to be. God, thank you so much uh, for these uh, moms, God, of, of adults. 
God, thank you for uh, these moms, God, of, of 18 and up. God, some of them are young adults who are still hanging around the house. It's time for them to launch. And God, uh, God, for those that are adults that have their own kids and or have their own marriages. And Father, some of them, they're single adults and they're struggling. And God, they've gone through trouble, Father. I pray that you would help these moms and God, these families, these parents. God, help them to be counselors and, and guidance and Lord, and, and leaders who, who will let them fail, but also help them to heal. And God, thank you, Lord, for these moms, God, because they're the moms that we have the majority of our life. These are the moms that, that we have for, for most of our life. And God, I pray that you'd help them to be that mom that they need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.